0: Welcome to The Awe Podcast. This is Josh, a licensed therapist.
1: And this is Lashawna Moyle, a licensed social worker operating as a therapist. So we're going to discuss stigma. Yes. I'm going to open with a definition of stigma. Right. And huge word. It's a huge word. Um, so it's a mark of disgrace, right? Yeah. So that's really heavy and Ugh. ugly and... It is. So I think we throw around the term stigma quite often, actually. And so a mark of disgrace is a huge way to define that because there is that negative connotation automatically yeah. ascribed to it. And it's kind of in your it.
0: face and just applied right to you almost in a sense.
1: Yeah. When you say stigma, yeah, people jump out and that's oh, that's a bad thing, right? So there's just that negative thing that um, is directly attached to it.
0: Right, and right. And there's a lot of talk about fighting stigma and breaking the stigmas mm-hmm. down and – making it easier to access and giving opportunities and things like that. And it's, it's all attached to this giant umbrella term stigma. Um, and really it's a big producer of shame and guilt. It's, it's saying, I don't want to do that thing because of the stigma attached to it because of the negative marks of disgrace, as you said, yeah. attached to it. Um, and really it's driven by assumptions, Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So go ahead.
1: Okay. Sorry about that, Josh. So especially when we think about, you know, the stigma and mental health and therapy, because we talked about that, like, what is therapy? And, you know, there's a huge stigma attached to that, right? There is. And it's attached to assumptions about what that is, what that looks like. What does that mean? Right. What does that say about me or, you know, those assumptions that we have that others have about those things?
0: Right. It's the questioning. um, Is it real? Is it really real? And then that almost societal piece of it drives our internal dialogue to say, maybe it's not real. Maybe I shouldn't be feeling this way. And that's not our authentic self.
1: Right. And in sessions, um, and I'm not going to speak for you, Josh, but for me, with individuals, that is what they are questioning daily when I meet with them is, what is wrong with me? Is something wrong with me? Should I be feeling this way? Um, so many times in a session, people will say, well, I don't know, well, maybe, or so what they authentically feel about themselves that's coming up, they question because of what somebody else has said, or um, what maybe they've perceived somebody is thinking about them. So that assumption piece and that stigma is huge.
0: Right, right. When working in the field of addiction for many years, I worked with many clients who um, had this idea in their head that addiction was a moral failing and Mm -hmm. that maybe i'm not an addict or to be an addict you have to be you know living under a bridge with a brown bag and a paper you know a bottle and you know i can't make it to the next go around without my next fix right and so that stigma drove people to away from getting help right to justify and it also drove people to um, not admit when they needed those those helpings, right? Because that's a lot. That's a lot, right? Just to, to unpack right there. That is a lot,
1: and I've shared, you know, my own experience in saying that I'm a um, Nara anon member, right? So I have contact with individuals who are the addict, if you will, right? And the stigma is part of the reason even the family members, the loved ones, the friends of those suffering from addiction don't want to share or are afraid of it, right? Because even those that love those individuals, um, there's a stigma attached there, right? All these assumptions of what you should do, what you shouldn't do, um, all those pieces also come. And addiction, yeah, has this huge stigma attached to it, like you said about the addict, what they should look like or where they live or how that looks, right? Right. The truth is addiction touches everybody regardless of race and ethnicity and finances and education and and all that profession
0: and yeah Yes. yes and we want to reduce it to this thing right this easy thing to understand and I think that's the complexity of mental health is it's there's so many different kinds of ways maybe even anxiety manifests itself and depression manifests itself and when You are struggling, and and you very may well be, and and I have as well. You tend to resort to those images or those shoulds or those maybe I shouldn't be feeling anxiety or maybe I should just get over it or maybe I should listen to what the unwritten messages in society are telling me to do. And then I don't get help, and then I'm in constant conflict inside with my authentic self.
1: Absolutely. And I think should and shouldn't also is attached to should I get help? Shouldn't I get help? Is there a certain level or a certain extreme at which I should know to get help? Or there are people that need help more than me. So maybe I shouldn't be going in to ask somebody about what I'm experiencing. Right. So those also come into play again and assumptions. Right. Right.
0: Right. Right. It's all constructed. We know where it's constructed from the larger society and individuals who we surround ourselves with and and things of that nature. So those are all pieces of the complexity. But at the core of it, it is when we're having those should versus shouldn't battles within ourselves, that's the indicator.
1: That's the indicator.
0: Ask for help. Talk to someone else, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think, again, you and I, we work in mental health. That's what we do, right? Right. Um, And... We are gracious enough to currently be in a position where um, we are having these conversations about mental health much more often, not just with the individuals we work one-on-one with, but even in larger spaces, right? Um But we still see that stigma. We still see the uncomfortability when the topic comes up, right? People may turn around. They may start to fidget, right? So there's still that all that stuff going on, even though we are having these conversations. And we are the face, um, if you will, currently within our spaces of the um, resource that is attached to mental health here. Um, And we're still seeing that, and we are still very much aware of the stigma.
0: Yeah, and we know we see that because we hear questions like, is it wrong for me to feel this way? Or is it wrong for me to think about something like this? Or is it wrong for that? Or, or I feel like this feeling I'm having is, is so intense that I shouldn't be having it. And that that's the stigma. That's yeah. the stigma. That's applying a mark, of, in a, a mark of disgrace to ourselves.
1: Absolutely. And
0: saying, I'm disgraceful, so I don't deserve help. And we know that's not true.
1: And last week we talked about vulnerability. So there's a stigma attached to that too, right? Being vulnerable, right? And what that means, right? That means that I'm weak or, right? And so yeah, stigma, I think, reaches across, like you said, many, many areas within our lives um, all the time. It's something that we are battling, if you will.
0: Yeah. and, And vulnerability is the foundation through which we break down stigma. I mean, that's how we fuel through it that's how we say I'm going to ask for help maybe I'm going to ask am I supposed to be feeling this right because those are good questions to ask but it just tells us that the stigma is alive but we want you to ask yeah and that's the hardest thing to do right and that's where I think empowerment comes in right it takes a lot of empowerment to to reach out but also stigma takes away and it disempowers as well, right? Because it can keep us sick, it can keep us not okay. It can keep us burdened by everything that we're feeling because someone somewhere told us or something somewhere told us that it's not okay to feel that. So because we wanna not appear a certain way or mention that we've failed, We don't want to ask for help.
1: Right. Right. And I um, have spoken about, well, maybe I haven't yet, but that I battle with being anxious, right? And so the stigma attached to anxiety, right? It is. It's disempowering. And so, um, again, I just spoke about in moments when in this space, right, we address groups of people. And it's something that I get incredibly anxious about, right? Yeah. And so initially, I feel very disempowered, Um, in the sense that yes I feel anxiety and prepping for that and man I don't want to you know I don't want to do this what if I fail what if I sound like an idiot what if you know all that stuff happens and then generally the opposite happens when I'm in that space right and if I share that about myself it becomes even more empowering because I think the individuals in the room are like oh my gosh this person you know she's saying that she gets it and you know, she understands it, right? So right. Um, I think, again, keeping that internally um, and questioning, like you said, that battle, that internal battle with myself, but then actually opening it up to others. So taking it from a disempowering space to kind of more of an empowering space in terms yeah. of sharing that.
0: Right, and, and most people that I've worked with, when they've shared their most vulnerable selves, they begin to stand a little taller. They have sort of those building blocks of being aligned with who they are right even if it's a flaw even if it's something that's deemed as weak or even if it's something that someone else is telling you you shouldn't be feeling they say i feel empowered because i can sit with that piece of me and know that someone can validate me with that piece of me right because i have a tremendous amount of anxiety too i walked into a presentation today <laughs> um just feel nervous, and I had presented to the, a group of nursing students, and I presented to nursing students quite a few times. <laughs> but I'm feeling nervous. And and of course I walk into the room and the thing that's on the screen is bowel movements. They're talking about (laughs) bowel movements. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, am I going to be able to like stay on task and stay focused to talk about depression and anxiety?
1: Is there stigma attached to bowel movements? (laughs) I think so,
0: (laughs) I think so. But you know, I've never been able to end a presentation by saying happy bowel movements, you know, learning. Um, But I did that this time. But when you're sharing that, like, automatically i said i'm distracted there's there's you know this bowel movement thing on the on the on the screen and there was some some body parts on you know fake body parts on a (laughs) table that they were examining and studying and things like that too i said i'm distracted guys and so i went to my outline i kind of regrouped myself and just went from there right? right and then you build on that right absolutely yeah
1: absolutely yeah i generally open with saying you know i'm sweating right because I'm here to talk about anxiety and depression, and hey, I'm sweating, right? My anxiety is physically <laughs> yes, manifesting yes. itself, right? Yeah. So just seeing how that can grab attention, yes, get you on focus, see who you can engage in the room, but just that piece about sharing, right? Admitting that, right. Um, being vulnerable in that moment.
0: So yeah, yeah, and much of this podcast it involves a lot of sweating and and being uncomfortable too, because <laughs> it's brand new for both Lashana and I, and. Um, we try to be vulnerable on on air and to make sure we're being real and being authentic and and really our mission is to provide some sort of help within each of these episodes for someone out there.
1: Yeah, and stigma is a huge part of that and I'm going to um take from the American Psychiatric Association because more than half of the people with mental illness don't receive help for their wow, disorders. Wow. More than half.
0: No, I was blown um, away by that stat. Yeah. It's pretty
1: big. Um, And so that's why we're here, right? We're trying to break some of that down, if you will. And part of that is us being vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Because stigma is the pathway. You know, public stigma is those bigger items of stigma that um, those assumptions are placed on roles. And then we take those and we turn them internal to our internal dialogue to I'm not good enough and things of that nature. So... I think, you know, with that being said, it's oftentimes a pathway to guilt and shame, but our way out of that, like we talked about is to stand on our, to be vulnerable, stand on that and continue to stand a little taller each day. So how do we use stigma and basically break down those barriers, jumping ahead of myself in the outline here a little bit, but how do we break down stigma?
1: Well, I think we just have to start talking about it. We have to acknowledge that it's there. Um, And, you know, everyone defines normal differently, but that it's normal, whatever that means, right? Because it might mean something different for you than it does for me. However, whatever that is, we should be talking about it. Um, Right. Otherwise, like you said, we're just internalizing it and we don't know, right? Like you said, there's this public stigma. So that can mean anything from what's expected from you in your job, um, within your church or your religion, right? Any of these other roles, if you will, that we play and what that looks from the bigger side and then how we take that in and how it manifests in us. But we've got to talk about that, right? Because chances are likely, like you and I are saying, People understand that. They've been there too.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so
1: opening that up really can change the dynamic.
0: Right, right. Having, you know, lived with anxiety and depression for a number of years and knowing the kind of roller coaster ride it can put us on a lot of times, I think it it does help to talk about it. It does help from my perspective to educate people on it as yes. well. In yeah. those presentations that I was talking about and Lashawna does them as well. And it helps to understand that about each other as co-workers, I think. Right? It does. When we know what's going on in each other's life, and, and sometimes we question if we overshare our personal lives with each other, but a lot of times it helps us hold each other up stronger and, and, and support each other better, I think.
1: Yeah, it's been fantastic. So thank you, Josh. You're fantastic there. But yes, it has helped... Both of us, I believe, grow, right, in the sense of our professions, and I think just as human beings, um, when we're in those conversations with individuals, right, we're human beings in those moments. Um, The other thing, I think, um, the other way that we help to break down um, stigma, of course, is to be conscious of what we're saying, like the language we use, right? Yeah. So we gotta give it a name too.
0: For sure. So we know yeah. what that is. We yeah. know
1: what negative connotation is attached to that or how to reframe that in a way that others can understand it, right? Because we're professionals and we use terms sometimes that others don't understand. Right. And so helping others are using that language, right? And, um, and using empowering language versus the disempowering language as well is also a huge part of that too.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and and validation, right? Understanding or seeking to use empathy when our communication is a pathway to do that. You know, if someone in your life is struggling, just just listen and actively listen. You know, respond back what you're hearing and and asking them if they're okay and if you wanna if you can help them, ask for help or you know something like that. Is those are helpful things to do.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, that I think that's key is because um, often, again, um, people expect, especially with therapists, that we're going to tell them what to do. But you're right. Just listening, just lending that space. Right. Yeah. Just giving them a space, someone a space to be who they are. Good, bad, ugly. Right. Yes. Um, Very powerful.
0: Very powerful. Very powerful. And I know I've been in many sessions where you sit and you listen and you empathize and, you know, you ask your open-ended questions and some of the rawest, authentic selves display themselves and that's where the work begins. and. It's so beautiful to watch that because I think that's the moment harmony starts within someone.
1: Yes. Yeah. Talking themselves right through it. It's like, there it is. And you said it, right? right? It came out of your mouth, out of your being, right? Yeah. And and yes, all we were doing was sitting there and kind of supporting that, fostering that, who they really are in that space.
0: Right. And then, you know, we offer tools, of course, every yes. therapy session should maybe have homework, I think, attached to it. But...
1: Absolutely. My favorite part.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right, And sometimes that's why we make a good team, too, is that um, we have to remind each other to do the same homework for ourselves, too, because uh, sometimes as helpers, we can choose or not help ourselves as well as we should. Right. Yes. And that's why we have goals, too. That's why we talk about the goals every podcast as well. But let's talk about well-being and how the stigma takes away from taking care of ourselves. And what I mean by that is that I can, you know, early on in, in the season, we talked about my, my experience with burnout. But I can tell you that the stigmas pushed me there, right? The first things to go were my well-being, Mm -hmm. and taking care of myself because why should I care about me? I have to care about other people, right? And that's a helper's sort of stigma, but there's lots of stigmas out there that can cause us to forget to take care of ourselves, forget to advocate for ourselves because we easily deprioritize ourselves. So how do we emphasize ourselves without it being labeled as selfish right because that's immediately where we go and we're like so i can take this and this off my plate and this off my plate and this off my plate but i'm going to add more of work to my plate i'm going to add more of this to my plate i'm going to add more of this to my plate and meanwhile our inside selves are screaming for help Mm -hmm. because we're not well so what have you done with those instances when you've discovered them lashana
1: this is great because yeah there's a stigma to that whole self-centeredness if you will right and it's not self-centered to take care of ourselves no it's healthy it is necessary because as you just (laughs) described yes otherwise yeah we're burned out we are not performing at the level that the individuals we're working with need us to right and so i think the way that i take care of it again um i've kind of talked about walking, right? And so for me, again, that's the first thing that I let go to. That's yeah. the first thing that I let go out of my schedule is my walk, right? right? But that is the best thing for me mentally, physically. And so what I do is I just make sure, even if it's only 30 minutes, right? That's not what I like to do. I like to do more. But if I can only get 30, if I can only get 20 minutes in, right, I'm doing it. So I just try very, very hard to make sure that I... Put it in part of my day wherever I can fit it in. It doesn't always happen, but I really do try to make that a priority. And so I guess I, what I'm saying is I scheduled it in, if you will, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to create. I think one of the most helpful things is to create routines that work for you, yes. that build those things in naturally. Yeah. So then it becomes something that we're not thinking of, because when we're thinking of it, it seems easier to put off or to take off our plate and say it's not as important today because of a b and c excuse right yes yeah yeah um so make yourself a priority do it today right we say just do it right now (laughs) stop it and just do it right if only therapy were that easy just stop it i think there's actually a a youtube video out there where this guy is like i'm going to a dollar a minute but i'm gonna to to solve your problems in in two minutes and it's gonna cost you two dollars or something like that and the lady's like what's the what's the uh what's the remedy and then the next guy comes in and he's like what's the remedy and he says stop it you <laughs> well, sadly it's not as easy as just stop it right right it takes a lot of practice and dedication and
1: yeah, it Trial took us a error. while to get to where we were, right, in that space. Right. It was a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of negative whatever's going on. So we can't just, right, you can't just stop it. Right. right. It's going to take more of that reinforcement of the positive things, of the authentic self, and all of those things as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think my commitment to breaking down the stigma and is is to keep talking about it, to keep asking questions to keep presenting to groups of students if, I, if I'm if i able to, and to just keep talking about it and putting it out front, right? Because that public stigma, that's harder to change. Absolutely. Our response to it is probably the, the pathway where we start individually um, in that I'm going to be vulnerable and ask for help, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think even you and I, right, we are role models in that sense where – We aren't perfect, even though neither one of us wants to admit that, but we're not. (laughs) But even you and I have said, you know what? We probably should ask for help individually in separate situations, right? Depending on what that is. Oh, for sure. So even for us to say, you know what? That's part of the stigma, right? Right. And we're going to go ask for help. We're going to go to this person and ask. Or we're going to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, And we've done that with each other as well. And so, yeah, that's a huge part of it as well.
0: Yeah, that helps. All right. You ready to talk about our goals? How we did? Sure. Yeah. So I kind of had, you know, I was I was on fire. Like I was <laughs> I was pa- five days a week, and that was my goal: five days a week. I was packing my salad for for lunch, you know, and a healthy a healthy choice for lunch. And I was making my eggs and peppers and and usually spinach or some sort of broccoli slaw with it. That was healthy with my yogurt and all those kind of things. I was doing awesome.
1: <laughs> you were. I saw it. <laughs> and then
0: last week I had a little slip up. And boy, it started the trend rock and roll into the weekend, right? <laughs> it was like, oops, I messed up. So let's really mess up, right? Here, right. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes we just need to fail really fast. Like, oops, I slipped and now I need to get back to it. Um, and realize that this morning as well. So I am back on the wagon i don't know if you want to call it back that way but i'm back to packing lunches and hopefully i stay strong in that area
1: good for you yeah
0: with exercise it's going to be an eternal struggle for me <laughs> i did get the three times in but i think it was again really you know it was it was lashana and her dedication to walking that helped me there because that's the only reason i would have got it done
1: well hey whatever works though yeah right? yes building that's blocks. I think
0: building it into your routine is such a healthy thing to do
1: it's yep. helped, but it doesn't always work. Right. So, for me, yeah. my goals. We'll start with reading. Um, I got in one chapter this week. Nice. One chapter, and I know I talked about a time frame. I said I wanted to have. I think, uh, was it eight books? It was by something by like June? Maybe was 10?
0: it a book every two weeks? I think maybe something or something. Something like that. So yeah. I,
1: I'm falling behind there, but yeah. I did. I did. I read a chapter and. Um, what I find more um, exciting about the goal is it's actually I am enjoying this book. So the material is engaging. Oh,
0: wonderful. Yeah. Yes. So
1: even though I didn't maybe get as much of it done as I wanted to, I did do it and it was good information. Yeah. What's um, the book
0: on? What's the book about?
1: It is actually about addiction. and. Oh, um Societal, right? All these right. pieces, all of these various pieces and stigma and the moral failings and all the things you yeah, kinda of mentioned, right? Yeah. Um, and about um just societal pieces, how that plays a role, what how we internalize it, right, how it manifests itself. Um, until now we have this this huge issue, right, with all right. this stigma attached. Right, right. Um and it is it's it's got a lot of good information in it, and its um, Yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying it.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I find addiction a fascinating subject to study, and um, I've done it for a numerous amount of years, but it it has a lot of complexities attached to it. It does. And it's not a moral failing. And I think maybe some of the things we do under the influence or some of the things that could be deemed as maybe not – okay to do right there are things that happen like that but you know if we applied those same principles to you know bad leadership or to not showing up to work on time or to you know not being a a healthy husband or a healthy wife or a healthy spouse or a healthy partner we'd have a lot of moral failings all around right it's not just sticking to one thing right yeah. um, I think we all could say that some piece of our life we've had this quote-unquote moral failing that we're we're learning from and we're improving and that's exactly what um, people who find recovery are doing they're learning and improving and sometimes they have made the most profound changes um, and they are the most profound people I've worked with so
1: awesome yeah yeah that's fantastic Josh yeah. thank you um, my other goal, of course, is to assert myself. Yes. And um, you know, I I I don't know how well I'm doing in that arena for this week either. You know, I um I did again wear an outfit this week that I felt was assertive in the sense again that it was um, professional. Um, yeah. and I did second guess the outfit. In fact I battled with the idea of the outfit because um here I go back into this authentic self and you know, when I first started, when we first started sharing, I I described my outfit. And I even right. talked about my shoes, right? And how they were not maybe um, as dressy as the outfit at that time required. <laughs> yes, and yes. that was my biggest battle with yesterday's outfit was that I was going to put dress shoes with it. And Ooh, yes. I thought, well, I want to be myself and I don't want to wear the dress shoes. But with the assumption and all those things that went with the event and things for the day I felt it was most appropriate to wear the dress shoes and I did and it was an assertive and empowering um outfit overall and so in that sense I did I did assert myself
0: yeah and she you know if I may say ran the event like a boss
1: (laughs) well thanks Josh I sat back
0: and enjoyed and and did my part of of helping but uh, she did a wonderful job thanks um, and I also remember a conversation we had this week where we were we were bantering back and forth about how to be assertive in certain situations. And you know, we talked about the power of suggestion. And Lashana did that this week. She suggested like a self-assessment type of thing and or an evaluation process actually. And it was it, you know we, we put it out there. She put it out there. You know, And I think that was an assertive thing that sort of made her uncomfortable, and it's making her uncomfortable that I'm talking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um indeed but yes again and yes that's why you know you and i work well together like you said we we do we empower each other we have those um supports for each other so the same as we do for our clients um we do for each other and thank yes. you um, and i, I think it's important for
0: you too to find that if you if you have found someone that you can do that with amazing right it doesn't Absolutely. have to be 12 people that can do that with you. It can be just one quality person that does it with you. Yes. Um, But you need that support system.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Join us next week as we discuss conflict. This is Lashana.
0: And this is Josh.
1: Stay authentic, well, and empowered.